Good afternoon, everyone. It is live. Well, maybe you're not listening to this live, but this is Manchester's Burning for February the 14th. It is Valentine's Day of 2021. And the flag continues to be in the ground in the ATL, coming at you from the ATL, Georgia, USA. This is your Chelsea women's feature for this week. I am with Rob Prattley. He is the CFCW social senior editor. Rob, thank you for joining us. Yeah, not a problem as always. Always great fun. And he is here to break down the week that was, including today if you count that as a week, uh, the week that was for the Chelsea squad who who have maintained their status at the top of the mountain of the FAWSL for now. But, uh, but Rob is going to talk to us about the two games. The biggest one of the two, obviously, y'all, was the London Derby that was on Wednesday. We talked with uh, Josh Bunting, who uh, talked to us about the Arsenal side of things from his aspect. So we're going to talk, talk to Rob about the Chelsea side of this match that happened on Wednesday. Rob, 3-0 for Chelsea over uh the uh, city rivals, uh, so bragging rights there. What did you think of the match overall? What did you think of Chelsea's performance? So it very much was sort of the archetypal game of two halves, in all honesty. Um, I thought Chelsea started very, very well. They were on the front foot from sort of the first minute. I think Arsenal did make their own problems um, early on, especially by trying to play out from the back. However, it then became sort of quite apparent as the half moved on that Arsenal sort of grew in confidence, got into it, had a couple of very good saves. We saw the benefit of a world-class goalkeeper with Anne-Catherine Berger uh, making one terrific save from Vivian Miedemeyer. And then sort of half-time came around. To be honest, at that point, Arsenal were on top. And just after half-time, Chelsea just stepped it up a gear. I mean, they have that extra gear that they can find, and this is what makes them such a world-class, world-class team is there are players there that can just find that extra gear, open the scoring through Panilla Harder, really sort of, you know, brilliantly placed shot. Um, doubled uh, the lead a few minutes later with, uh, through Panilla Harder. Again, lovely sort of move down the left. John Anderson into Fran Kirby and Kirby pulled it back and Harder just absolutely larruped it into the net. And then sort of later on, wrapped up the win through Beth England, slipping through Fran Kirby and uh, playing through the pain barrier, sprinting through and finishing mm-hmm. sort of brilliantly and sort of wrapped it up quite comfortably so in the end sort of 3-0 you can't ask for too much more a clean sheet in the second half that wasn't ever really tested either so mm-hmm. sort of you know nice to get the branding right it's nice to return to the top of the league and sort of the the platform to build on the result that was needed after last weekend blip it appeared to me rob that i think the squad really wanted to make a statement after the previous match uh, to get really back on the front foot, which was a match, by the way, though, you know, against, uh, if I remember, it was Brighton, that they were on the front foot most of the time, and it just it just didn't come out. It was one of those football matches where you could dominate everything, get four million shots on goal, and it just, you know, it just doesn't come through in the end, and the other squad gets, gets the, you know, is able to convert their chances. I think it was Chelsea who really wanted to come out on the front foot against the city rivals, make a statement very early, and I think they did that, I think, in the first 
first. I think they just dominated roughly the first 30 minutes uh, of the match where where they just really pressed. They pressed high. They really, Arsenal really was trying to try to play out of the back. It really at first didn't really work. <laughs> um, because they were just pressed really hard and they were making a number of different errors. And, and Arsenal really just, the first 30 minutes, really struggled to get to get moving. And as you said, I, I agree completely that, that um, you know, they were able, Arsenal was eventually able later in the, sec, in the first half to be able to get at least up to the midfield, maybe start trying to create stuff. But the, the chances, you know, just seemed pretty minimal in the, in the first half. Um, what was your impression uh, of of that, you know, moving in the first half for them? Mm. I, I mean, in the first half, I think it was sort of a, again, Chelsea started very, very quickly. And I think they wanted to almost, you know, after the nature of how they lost that game on Sunday, I think they wanted to kind of mm-hmm. prove a bit of a point. And I think if they'd have got an early goal, you know, on Wednesday, we could have seen a very different game. And you might have seen them go ahead and sort of absolutely sort of really put Arsenal to the sword. Um, mm-hmm. because we've seen them do that and you know we know they can do that against top teams they did it early in the season against they won't beat Manchester City 3-1 earlier this season but you know they should have been out of sight against uh, Manchester United they should have been out of sight within 20 minutes um, if not for sort of profligate finishing and it was important I think to come out and I think from Arsenal's point it was important to come out and sort of not concede early they did make their own problems I said from trying to play out from the back um, and uh sort of the keeper again Williams didn't look very comfortable doing that as sort of not their regular number one and that's sort of understandable um but Chelsea for all of the sort of possession moments there wasn't really many clear-cut chances where you thought you know yes they had to score that um and that sort of is what that's sort of what I suppose you have to come to there's a game of very sort of slim chances in the first half mm-hmm. and it's sort of um yeah, it, it's just sort of one of those sort of weird matches where very typical sort of derby match towards the mid part of the first half. It became mm-hmm. very much a war of attrition. I, I will admit, I think um, sort of uh, Chelsea got a bit lucky that on oh, another day, another referee may have sent off Melanie Lurpels for sort of, you know, some of the mm-hmm. fouls that she put in and some yes. of the another, you get a different game if that yeah, is the case. But ultimately, you know, that didn't happen. And just in the second half, yeah, they just, you know, stepped up and again you know i can wax lyrical about Pinar harder all day um when chelsea well, do so because i would I, I would do so rob because i would that was going to be my next question was how good is she because i can run some stats on both sides of the ball with her so talk about her because i got some numbers that like blow my mind so tell me wax lyrically about her yeah i mean Pinar harder is just an absolutely when Last summer, when Chelsea sort of, you know, you could see they were making a serious play to try and win the sort of um, UEFA Champions League because A, they went ahead and they bought in Melanie Leopold from Bayern Munich and obviously matched whatever sort of financially she was on, but also matched her ambition on a free transfer and bringing in, you know, um, FC Bayern Frau's best midfielder mm-hmm. on a free transfer is ridiculous. Then to go ahead and top that off and go and sign the U. CL top goal scorer to put it in again I like I sometimes I like using comparisons to the men's games I know some people will be more familiar with that this would be mm-hmm. the equivalent of say for instance Chelsea going out and buying Robert Lewandowski and okay the fee that was Penilla Harder was bought for was only quarter of a million pounds which sounds like sort of a fraction but when you consider that's the record fee in the women's game a it shows the nature of you know the disparity of money but b mm-hmm. 
you know, it shows the fact that she was running out of contract and Chelsea did benefit from the fact she is in a relationship with our captain, Magda Eriksson. Um, and again, I feel it's important to make a note. I, I'm, you know, we're recording this on Valentine's Day. Both of them have done an incredible gesture um, tonight to the LGBT community. They've opened up their DMs to sort of talk to people as they recognise that not everyone is lucky enough to be able to be in a relationship. Excellent. Where Excellent. They, Excellent. You know, it to be in a relationship where they can be open and honest to everyone. And it is, there are, you know, unfortunately places in the world where this isn't sort of considered to be acceptable. And I just want Absolutely. to say what an incredible ambassadors they both are for the club and for the game in general. Magda Eriksson in particular is everything that, you know, Chelsea women should aspire to be. And there is no surprise she's captain. There is no surprise Anna Hayes comes out and says that she will manage the club one day because she is absolutely ingrained in the culture. And, you know, I can't think of anyone better. Um, but going back to sort of Penilla Harder from a footballing sort of perspective, just everything she does just oozes quality. Earlier in the season, she wouldn't score as many goals as people thought she would. And I think, you know, to an element that's a pressure of transfers, she came in and sort of you know, had to fit into the side. But even when she wasn't scoring, you were just seeing those flashes of brilliance. Um, and again, the one for me that sort of always does it uh, for me against Everton earlier this season, uh, and Everton have the mix of Sandy McIver in goal. And uh, late on, Chelsea 3-0 up, and in the final, sort of with the final kick of the game, she just took effortlessly turned past two players and then just lazily swung a left boot at it and put it into the top corner. And as soon as she hit it, McIver didn't even, just looked at it and didn't even bother diving because she knew it was going to one place. And it was such a, just, you know, effortless thing. Everything harder does, it's absolutely effortless. And, you know, you just feel like there's that extra, it's like when you watch sort of Lionel Messi and the men's go, there's that extra gear to find that if they did need to find that, they would truly, genuinely, you know, be scary because no one can stop them. Um, and again, sort of today against, uh, sort of in, in today's game against Bristol City, you saw it again from sort of harder finish, you know, a terrific chance, just a, a, a tough chance, but absolutely larrups at home, gave the keeper no chance, grabbed an assist, and just generally the all-round play, the sort of footballing brain that she has is just so, so sort of magnificent to watch. It is just a real pleasure to see a Chelsea attack where you've got so many world-class players in sync with one another because they just produce some stunning things. So some stats I want to run by you about Harder's performance. Not only did she score those two goal, uh, the two goals, but she also, on the other side of the ball, this is what I love about you know the, My favorite players are, what, are not only goal scorers, but they also are part of the attack, they're part of build-up, and they can also play on defense. And she... Also led the team in this match in pressures. She also led the team in this match in successful pressures of getting the ball, getting the ball dispossessed. She also led the team in total tackles plus interceptions combined. Um, I mean, just all around. I mean, you know, everyone will note the goals, but also the work rate on the defensive side add to it. Um, it, it is was just uh, absolutely brilliant, and her goal in the 57th minute from the from a timing standpoint of uh, the sister and Kirby, there was a beautiful shot as you mentioned earlier, and that put the game away. That was the end of it. Uh, it you know, I, at that point, I mean, it was a war of attrition, and, and it was really important for that for that first goal that she had to go in. But 
he was the second one that I think, you know, and I, and even Josh, when I talked to him about the Arsenal side of things, he was like, yeah, I think at that point you saw the head start sliding, you know, kind of yeah. looking down like this game is over. Um, and so that was really important uh, as well uh, with that. So, uh, you know, great game by, you know, great game by her. And, and that is someone where fans of the uh, fans of this channel, may not necessarily know her because she's not necessarily as well known outside in the u.s as let's say sam kerr is and fran kirby is right so um can i and, actually at this point give a couple of people who um if you want to find out more about mm -hmm. Hart, go right ahead oh yeah go right ahead you know, sort of, uh, again my, my friend mia erickson um who's at uh, mia underscore erickson on twitter she's a photographer and she is you know um encyclopedia Pinella harder so if you ever want to have a conversation, I'm sure, you know, her DMs are always open for sort of respectful um, conversation. And I'm sure she will, you know, happily wax lyrical about harder with you. And then the other person is um, the excellent journalist, Jasmina Schwaimler, uh, at Jazz Schwaimler. She was the uh, FC uh, Wolfsburg, um, mm -hmm. FC Fran Wolfsburg uh, journalist for VFL Wolfsburg. And some of her pieces on Penel Harder are absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, she... Uh, is a, just a fantastic writer in general on um, the uh, German women's game. I recommend sort of you know following if you want to learn more about that. But yeah, just uh, her pieces on the harder are brilliant. Um, and yeah, if you want to find out more about why sort of what has made her the world's best sort of player in a lot of people's eyes, and also you know the world's most expensive player and what's led her to being at this time in this Chelsea squad, heartily recommend both of those. Beautiful for those of y'all want to get further insight, as I know I will want to get further insight, as I know a lot of y'all out there will at the same time. I don't think Arsenal had a chance in this match. Uh, I think they, in the sense of winning this thing, uh, I think they're only they had they had maybe one chance in the first half. The second half, though, they did they did have one opportunity that I, to me their best chance came in the 79th minute. Uh, when McCabe had that free kick and it was somewhat deflected a bit away from goal. Um, not sure that goal would have gone in or not, but um, but that was a, that was a chance. I think there was if they had gotten that goal, given the nature of a derby, <laughs> given the nature of a derby, <laughs> Um, I mean, it could have it could have turned into something, but it didn't come through. Uh, and eventually, you know, 10, 10 plus uh, minutes later, Kirby ends the, you know, pretty much ends it at 3-0. Um, speaking of stats on individual players, Fran Kirby had one goal, two assists, five shots, three on target. Also had five shot creating ac actions and three goal creating actions uh, in the match for herself. How much of a star was she in this match? I, I mean, okay, again, another, I'll have to say that Frank Kirby, to me, there's a award in England called sort of Sports Personality of the Year. And mm -hmm. um, again, it's now sort of, thankfully, it's a multi-gendered award and there is equal opportunity. But if it was to go to a British sportswoman, then to me, Frank Kirby would have to be at the absolute top of the list. For those that don't know, um, uh, sort of around November last year, she was diagnosed with pericarditis which is a build of a fluid around the heart. It's an incredibly dehabilitating and horrible thing. It meant she couldn't play football for almost a year. Um, and sort of this was when she was very much in her prime and in her pomp. So she had to sort of sit on the sidelines last year as Chelsea went ahead and won the WSL, which mentally must be a tough thing to see, especially with Sam Kerr sort of coming in. You get these 
you know, journalists speculating and Beth England good form speculating, you know, have they taken your place, etc. Ever since Kirby has come back, wow. I think she is playing, and I, you know, I don't think some reason she's playing the best football of her career. She is mm-hmm. just absolutely, it's incredible actually to watch her and Penelope Harder. I think people talked about Kerr and Harder coming in and being the replacements for England and Kirby. And you've just seen them elevate themselves to a whole new level. Beth England's become a lot more aware off the ball and is a lot more involved in build-up and getting assists. And she still does chip in with the goals, but some of the burden's been taken off. But with Kirby, there is just that footballing brain, that absolute sort of footballing intelligence and mm-hmm. sheer, sheer quality. And it's the nature of all the finishes again. I mean, I, I, joked, I joked today that, you know, she's actually now overtaken Beth England for number of headers this season. So mm-hmm. an aerial threat that we expected having... You know, previously scored two headers in her entire career. She now has three this season. Um, but that's just the nature of finishes. You get sort of deft finishes into the top corner. You get close-range finishes, long-range efforts, poachers efforts, mm-hmm. brilliant dribbler. She's got, you know, the eye for the pass. She is just absolutely brilliant. And I think, you know, if if you talk about there being someone who potentially might take the record of Harder for being a world record transfer, I wouldn't like this to happen as a Chelsea fan. But if, a, you know... I, I, Kirby will sign a new contract in the next couple of weeks, but undoubtedly the likes of your Leons and stuff will look at her and think, hang on, we want the best players in the world playing for her. And ultimately, I think, you know, Chelsea will have to expect that bids will come in in the future, Frank, mm-hmm. because she is known as the English Messi for a reason. Um, and she, you know, is a similar sort of player. She assists, she scores the general. Mm-hmm. It's like the aura side of things. Again, I've said it with Penilla Harder and. Kirby, both of those came on as substitutes last week against um, Brighton. And after they came on, Chelsea's play was just that bit quicker and sharper. And even though they didn't get the result, they just played so much better after they came on. And that's what top players do do for you, um, is just elevate you. And again, I think it's now probably a good time to start sort of moving on to talking about the Bristol City game. Um, because I think that showed a different side of Kirby's game to an extent. Yes, it did. So I, I do want to... Um... I do want to talk about someone else, but I can talk to talk to you about that one other person in the context of, of the Bristol game as well. So nice segue. And for the sake of time, let's move on to today. Uh, Chelsea uh, rolled over um, Bristol City uh, 5-0. Uh, in Bristol, uh, and it was to me uh, these are my initial thoughts. I mean, Chelsea again went full throttle from the very start and put Bristol under a tremendous amount of pressure. They were like, "Well, don't care if you're top of the table, mid table, bottom table. We're going to play the same way. We're going to come right at you front, front and center." And they did that. And and initially, Bristol kind of they they held they held firm. They held they had some resolve. They they were solid. They tried to they organized it but it's just the, the pressure just became absolutely relentless um within the first 15 minutes and then uh, kirby scoring a goal uh to just open the scoring and essentially figuratively and literally open the floodgates um on that so tell us about so tell us your take on the bristol city uh match from your standpoint so i'm going to initially sort of say that this was one of the ones where you see the difference in um golfing class in the WSL is still there. Now, I have immense respect for uh, Bristol City women. I think they do, you know, considering the resources they have, they do an immense job. And Matt Beard ultimately has, in the last couple of weeks, come in and started trying to get them some better results. They are in the Conti Cup final against us, which is not, you know, an easy thing to get to. And they should be taken 
seriously mm-hmm. we not, you know we should not patronize them and treat them as sort of some gimmick of old you know didn't they do well this is the one big album they're in the same division for a reason and so should mm-hmm. we treat them and i think that's exactly what chelsea did today they mm-hmm. came out and they treated them with the respect whilst also knowing that they were you know the better side and more importantly proving that on the pitch from minute one sort of you know within 60 seconds chelsea were up attacking the Bristol goal, nearly scored. Terrific save from Sophie Bagley. I think this is one of the few games I remember in my life where, you know, you realistically can lose 5-0 and come out and say, actually, the goalkeeper had a brilliant game because I thought Mm -hmm. Bagley didn't put a foot wrong on, you know, a number of the goals she was really unlucky with. um, And sort of, you know, a couple of them were sort of rebound. Several of them just left totally exposed. And some of them you've just got to hold your hands up for mm-hmm. uh, you know, a whipped corner in, really good corner again from Mary Mielder. And there's Frank Kirby at the near post, little flick. And it's the sort of one where any decent bit of contact on it, it's going to cause absolute havoc in the box. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's so many players in there, it's impossible to stop that. Now, that's the sort of guy I think Bristol will be annoyed at conceding, especially considering Frank Kirby's height. But ultimately, you know, that's something you can sort of, you know, I, I suppose if you look at that one and say that's one you can prevent, the second one I think is just something where you've just got to hold your hands up and say that's mm-hmm. just class. Terrific right. play sort of down the left-hand side by Jon Anderson, finds Kirby and Kirby sort of pulled it back for harder and as soon as it was pulled back you just sort of felt that there was mm-hmm. only sort of one outcome and in the right. end of what I expected as the outcome didn't actually happen because you okay. saw the ball pull back and I think Bagley made a terrific, terrific initial save. Then the ball squirms out again. And mm-hmm. Eagle, who is one of Chelsea's most underrated players, again, I will happily wax lyric about her for a long time, um, put a terrific tackle in, inch perfect, the sort of one where, you know, you get that right on the edge of the box and you sort of, you don't, you just sort of get that split second where people realise you made a fair tackle, but they haven't reacted. And the ball came to Harden to get it that brain she's got just split second bit of footwork to move away from Matthews and absolutely larrupped it in and that's the sort of one where you just saw that then the quality of finishing from harder as soon as she was in that position you felt goal um the third goal was again quite unlucky um from Bagley's sort of perspective it was down the left hand side Sam Kerr sort of getting in and delivering that cross and uh, I thought Beth England's initial finish that sort of deflection was going to go in and Bagley did very very well to get down and um sort of tip it away and ultimately sort of yeah it came off the defender and uh sort of England played it back and Kirby just as soon as it came back to her again you knew she was just going to put it in that corner and there were a couple of players on the line and she just has that footballing intelligence to put it right in that top corner um and sort of at half time, suddenly you'd gone for a situation where at one nil, sort of about the thirty fifth minute, where it was looking sort of you know, a bit of a cagey game. They were still in it. Chelsea had chances to kill it off. I hadn't. And then suddenly, you know, three nil, game over. And ultimately, sort of the second half was always going to be, I think, a bit of you know, self preservation tactics from Bristol because there was no point getting absolutely thumped again. And the nine nil would have been in their mind. Um, mm-hmm. Important. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you know, another two goals, Beth England getting away, good, perfect cross, and Sam Kerr, well, you know, she just doesn't miss headers like that. And then Beth England on sort of the 60, sort of on the 63rd minute, I think it was, sort of a ball, another crossing, but harder, and sort of England was in on the act. Again, Bagley was really unlucky not to save it at close range, but sort of bundled it over the line. And probably the sort of goal was a striker that you love to get because it shows you're in the right place at the right time. And the rest of the game was sort of just played out a little bit. I mean, I, 
it was played out in a situation where Chelsea knew they'd got the game won. They sort mm-hmm. of they did take the gear down. They took the pressure down. They made some substitutions. Had chances mm-hmm. to get a six. Could have done that. Um, sort of, you know, again, the, probably the best chance was for Captain Magda Eriksson, but she sort of headed over the bar. But Chelsea were just so in control. I mean, ultimately, ultimately, you do get these sort of games in the WSL, and it was just one of those sort of, you know, situations that still happen nowadays. And ultimately, it's going to be the case you aren't going to get. You get a situation like that at all levels in football that when the top teams play against the sort of better teams, um, no, the top teams sorry play against the teams that are sort of lower down the table. They, you know, and they play at their best. They're going to win games, and that's the same in every league. So, and I, I give a lot of respect to Bristol because they were, I, despite the the bounces and 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 so bounces and and balls squirming away and and really quality chances yeah. that were converted, uh, that I don't think anyone would have been able to to really stop. Uh, you know, I mean, it was just so the 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 quality of it was so strong. And people on this podcast have heard me talk about it. Like, I don't necessarily believe in luck so much in the sense that you have to put yourself in position for good things to happen. Uh, and so, and, and that's what Chelsea does. And and so the ball will is going to bounce one way or the other. It's going to squirm. You got weather issues because it went into a pounding rainstorm at near the end. Uh, I had all those things kind of potentially happening, but but at the end though to me bristol really tried really held as strong as they could and and had a lot of resolve they didn't hang their heads in my opinion and they just kept fighting on and they had been on a fairly decent run of form recently where they've been playing better um, than they had from the start of the season. Uh, they've had a lot of issues in, in the past that a lot of struggles and so forth, which we do not have much have enough time to really go into that. But they didn't they have nothing to hang their heads down for in this, yeah. in my mind, you know, yeah. really. Um, you know, they played it, you know, played the top side in England. They did, you know, they it's not. You know, there's one way, one thing to not play your best and get rolled. And then there's one thing you're playing your best for the 90 minutes and still the result, you get yeah. rolled. That's Bristol. Bristol played their best. They didn't, they didn't stop. They didn't quit. You couldn't, you can tell the effort remained and they were beaten by a quality side that was able to convert their chances, which is what Chelsea does. They yeah. convert their chances. Um, but one of the questions I, um, I had was, and I came across this interesting statistic because um, Anne Ketrin Berger had a, another clean sheet today. Um, and I don't know how many she's had overall this this season so far, but um, she it, the the stat is this: she faces when she gets a shot faced on her on target, the the xg expected goals post shot of the shots that she has to take are just below 0.5, just below fifty percent, which is the highest in the FAWSL. Her can save conversion rate of, you know, which is basically expected um, expected goals against versus the actual goals against on her is her number is the highest conversion rate of saves in the league as well. So what that means is she's facing tougher shots on target, but she's the best at saving them. Yeah. Uh, so tell me a little more. I, I gave you the gave the advanced numbers out there, which I was really impressed by. But you tell me more about her. 
Yeah, I, I mean, AKB, Chelsea Chelsea previously had Hedvig Lindahl in goal. Hedvig Lindahl is the best goalkeeper in the women's game. She is absolutely world-class. And again, a lot of Chelsea fans were upset when she sort of moved on to bigger and better things. And, well, not bigger and better things necessarily, but sort of moved on to other mm-hmm. parts. Um, at the same time, I think Chelsea did absolutely brilliant because they looked into the league and they looked at a keeper in the league who, again, at the time wasn't necessarily getting sort of the same number of clean sheets that you'd sort of want from a top keeper, but was making some unbelievable saves and was making key saves. And they brought AKB in. And I think since AKB has come in, you see it with players. You see good players come on and become great players when they play with other really good players. And AKB, okay, every goalkeeper is still liable to mistakes. I'm not going to pretend she doesn't make them. But the confidence is there. She commands the box very, very well. And the shot stopping and the reflexes, what impresses me the most, she's probably, I'd say, in terms of um, low saves and saving her feet, one of the best in the league, if not the best. She, Her distribution is probably the one thing you would like to see her work on a bit. Her footwork mm-hmm. is a bit you know, dicey at times. But mm-hmm. I'm much more of a traditionalist sort of fan in that, my goalkeeper is there to save shots, not pray pretty sort of passes <laughs> over the top and ping it out. Sort of right. and again, again right. as, as the greatest goalkeeper, and again, a quote from a thing about Lev Yashin, said about Lev, Lev Yashin, is that Lev Yashin is there to save goals and saves goals. That's why he's a good goalkeeper, not because he, not because he can pass it. Um, right. And uh, yeah, I, I, I sort of, I, I prescribe to that thought. Again, AKB does benefit from the fact that she does sit in front of a very, very, Good defence again. I could wax mm-hmm. lyrical about the fantastic, sort of, you know, the fullbacks at Chelsea that I think are two of the best in the world in Mary Mielda and Jon Anderson, and the fact that we've got sort of uh, Millie Bright and Magda Eriksson centre back who are, you know, the, just the best pairing in the WSL by far. But the fact that she, you know, when she faces chances, they're usually due to one of two things either individual brilliance or a mistake. Mm-hmm. And when you chance to a mistake often it leads to a clear goal and the fact that they don't end up being sort of you know clear goals mm-hmm. is a testament to the fact that the defenders are so sheer bloody minded to get back but b right. also because akb is so good at making that brilliant like you know last save or the other day like i said with the one against Miedemar on wednesday you sort of saw that one-on-one and you've seen that tons of times before with Miedemar, just turns a defender inside out and rolls it into the corner you could tell that was in her mind and AKB was mm-hmm. spreading herself as much as possible just to get the right sort of toe on it. She clearly stro- studies the strikers and knows what they're going to do. And that's what the best keepers do do because they frighten oppositions. You come up against them and think, right, how am I going to beat you? And they mm-hmm. make themselves big in goal. And okay, there's been an awful lot of comments about sort of goalkeeping in the women's game. And it's important to recognise the fact that some of the keepers now, again, Carly Telford, who's Chelsea's number two, she did a very good interview on it where she sort of said, when I started becoming a keeper, there wasn't any designated keeper coaching. So mm-hmm. that's yeah. what, you know, is going to cause issues. But nowadays you're starting to see a generation come through with some of the young keepers, like people like Sandy McIver, who mm-hmm. have had that dedicated coaching and are just more well-rounded players. And AKB arguably has become one of those more well-rounded goals. Mm-hmm. That'll be a bit later in her career. And you know, I was delighted to see her get her England, not her England, sorry, her call up for Germany. Uh, I'm delighted, sort of, you know, that she's playing for my team, the Champions of England, um, mm-hmm. now. And yeah, if you also look at her, again, I can't really go into it at the moment, but her story off the pitch is inspiring as well. So, you know, I would heartily recommend you look into that as well. 
Thank you so much. And, and we have an international break coming, y'all, uh, in the FAWSL. And um, so folks are going to go to their national squads. Uh, some uh, some teams are going to stay home uh, with, in with injury issues to get better. But what that basically means is there's going to be a break. And it's going to be somewhat of a, of a sizable one coming up. And so this program is not going to disappear on y'all. OK, it's not going to disappear. Um, but what I hope to do uh, is to bring on the, the folks that have been contributing, talking about the clubs, uh, including Rob, yourself, uh, and just kind of, you know, somewhere during the break, uh, come back on and talk about, um, you know, just kind of where things stand with the club, give some uh, give some uh, status report grades, <laughs> grade out how the team is doing. I'm sure with uh, this squad, Chelsea, the, the grades are going to be relative pretty high uh, up there. So I hope that um, we can bring you back on for that. But Rob, thank you so much. Uh, excellent, incredible, brilliant knowledge uh, that you've given us all. I really, really appreciate it. Rob, thank you for being on the show uh, today. Excellent. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. And y'all, it is time for Manchester's Burning to sign off for today. Tomorrow, we are going to have the reactions from both sides of the Manchester Derby. Yes, that was the Manchester Derby that was on Friday that I tried eloquently to live tweet as it was happening. And yeah, it went the way it went. But okay, tomorrow we will have... We will have Mark from the Barbie Army to talk about United, and we will have Emma back on in the, later in the day to talk about Cité and the Manchester Derby match reactions to that, uh, giving them both some time to, uh, to, to chill uh, and to celebrate um, there what has happened in that. But that's coming up tomorrow. Manchester Burning needs to close out for today. Y'all remember the light is out there. Acknowledge the light is there. And let it hug you. Let it be a part of you. Also, you have to acknowledge, unfortunately, that the darkness is out there and we see it, unfortunately, all the time, especially in places we don't want to see it in, including football. We've seen it. you got to acknowledge the darkness is out there, but do not ever let the darkness hug you. But if it does, please take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Get help. Get the support you need. Manchester's Burning is out for today. We will see you tomorrow.